way of oneness. Hi everyone, I'm Christopher Kakuyo Sensei, and I'm a Sensei of the Salt Lake Buddhist Fellowship. We are an independent, transsectarian, all-inclusive American Sangha in the Mahayana tradition. The Way of Oneness podcast is a collection of our Dharma talks, delivered at our Salt Lake City Fellowship Sangha. Enjoy the Dharma talk. Today's Dharma talk is called Follow Your Authentic Way, and it comes with our willingness to be open and vulnerable and committed in community. It's about living an authentic, life-filled life. And this isn't easy, especially in a time of institutionalized consumerism and social media. We have become or are becoming more of a consumer self, wrapped in the identity of consumptions, externalities, or belongings. And these belongings are becoming more us than us. Our possessions, our material and philosophical, seem to belong to, as Kenro Kanematsatsu has written, our very nature. And these possessions of ideas, thoughts, and objects stick to us like a second skin, and we bleed when we try to detach them. End quote. This is a challenging time to live. Facebook and other forms of social media are less problematic because of the time we spend endlessly scrolling. They are more problematic because they encourage us and subtly demand of us and insipid inauthenticity. A Facebook-curated life is not a life, but an illusion, a misperception, a misdirection, and a whole new field of suffering. So today's talk is a call for us, especially myself, to aspire for life itself, and less the imitation of life, through social media, through the consumption of endless binge-watching on Netflix, which is my weakness. I love my Netflix. (laughs) But in my love of Netflix, I forget to live. So this talk is as much for me as it is for anyone who may resonate with it. Today's talk is a call for us to have courage to follow our path of discovery, of self-discovery. And I want to share with you some teachings from the foundational teachers of the Bright Dawn tradition, which I've never really done before. And I'm going to let them speak a lot for themselves. So I want to first share some of the teachings of Haya Akagarasu. Haya Akagarasu Sensei is Guillaume Kabose Sensei's teacher and Koyo Kabose-sensei's teacher, and it's where we, we come from. It's part of the founding of the Way of Oneness Buddhism that inspires our fellowship and is the core teachers for those who are inducted as independent Bright Dawn lay ministers. The Bright Dawn name itself is the Dharma name that Haya Akagarasu-sensei gave to his student, Maso, 
or Gyome, Kabose Sensei. Gyome means bright dawn. So I want to start with him. Sensei Akigarasu. Quote, Life is always being itself. Living in the eternal now, I praise the past life that it holds, follow the future life contained in it, so my life moves from decision to decision, from deepest truth to deepest truth, always obeying the changes of time. I concentrate my power on living life. End quote. I really appreciate that life is always being itself. What, what do these words mean to you in your life? What is he calling us to do? Yes. Well, you talk a lot about fighting with reality, and I think about that whenever I get caught up in my own stories about what life is doing to me or what it, life is being. Life is just life. It just is what it is, literally. And so our call is to be part of that reality and just mm. quit making our own story about it and experience as it is. Mm. That's what that means. Beautiful. Really being present in the moment. Yeah, that eternal now. Mm-hmm. That eternal now. It's a call to life. Yes. Mm, I think about being living life as it is rather than as what it should be. So what is this living that Reverend Akagarasu is talking about? I think it is the most fundamental truth. The truth closest to the bone. Life stripped of ideas, attachments, possessions. This life is the simple fact that we exist. That source of breath. Every time we take a breath, we touch the ineffable. Do you breathe or are you breathed? We are breathed. By life itself. And this is the life that we have a tendency to be so at odds with because we're at the surface of life with this consumer self, this storying self, this worrying self, this self who is arguing constantly with life as it is. Breathing in, I am aware that I am breathing in. Breathing out, I am aware that I am breathing out. To really live life, we can touch this simple reality with deep awareness. Underneath our stories, our religions, our ideas, our philosophies is life. Life pre-exists all of these and needs none of them. I appreciate this so much from Reverend Akagarasu, where he goes on writing in Shout of Buddha. At the time he began teaching, he was rather revolutionary. It's the 1900s. It's the turn of a new century. He's in Japan and he's trying to teach Buddhism in an everyday sort of a way, a way that it can resonate with people. At this time, 
Buddhism was very much in the temples. It was very much kind of uh, formalized and felt a lot more like, um, like something separate from our everyday life. So he's trying to make something less dogmatic and more personal. Quote, Besides my own living, I don't need religion, philosophy, and morality. Religion, philosophy, morality, and art and politics are not in the world of my living. Beside my living, my living is what is there. Beside my being alive, there is no God or Buddha. When I die, God and Buddha will also die. Look at me. End quote. So you figure, here's a reverend, and somebody's going to temple, and here's this guy saying this stuff. You're going, whoa, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> this is some modern stuff in 1900. And what do you think are the point of him saying these things, though? Why, why is he saying this? Why is he saying that my living, there's nothing besides my living, my life. Besides being alive, there is no God or Buddha. When I die, God and Buddha will also die. What is he trying to say? What do you think he's trying to say? I think he's trying to say that like, there's the only life and you're supposed to follow go with the flow of life. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. Our ideas of God and Buddha can keep us from life, can they not? They can keep us from living, from being present, from being in the eternal now. These are concept concepts. The experience of Buddha can be something completely different. But this idea, these concepts, are the things that can cut us off from being alive. You read a book called Siddhartha? Mm -hmm. um, I loved it because there was a monk who was his friend and he didn't know how to be at peace and at one. But Siddhartha wouldn't go to become a Buddhist because he spoke to the river and the river spoke to him and he told him, leave me alone. And he left right around the time that Siddhartha Gautama died in this book. Mm -hmm. He died and um, was enlightened mm -hmm. because this is a vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. For me, it is this realization of being alive in the flow of now is more important than ideas of being alive or telling me what my experience should look like. Life is more elemental. Life is process. To live is a verb. It is the state of being. All of life is in this state of interbeing, as Thich Nhat Hanh calls it. Everything is interdependent. And with this understanding, Reverend Akagarasu goes on to write, quote, The sun brightens for my living. The moon shines from my living. The stars twinkle from my living. Rain, snow, hail, sleet are from my living. The stars twinkle for my living. Rain, snow, hail, sleet, again, are for my living. Grass, trees, birds, animals are for my living. 
My life is the life of the whole world. Because of my living, all beings are alive. To say that I am alive is to say that all beings are alive, that this is the same living, end quote. So in the writings of Akagarasu, you'll, you'll notice that there's a theme that kind of runs from it, and it's this loneliness that he experiences. And it's this loneliness of love, that he loves people so much that anything that separates from him, especially ideas of religion and politics, those things that separate us from each other, from our brothers and sisters, maybe from our literal brothers and sisters and our families, that it breaks his heart. And also, too, it's that isolation, that loneliness that can create a deep feeling of being cut off from life. But in the poet's eyes, we are all the same family. We share an intimate connection. And in this quote, this affirmation that he is speaking of when he writes, my living, that my he is speaking of is not as in my possession, but in the realization that everything is interconnected, intimate, that we are a part of it all. I found a similar sentiment in Rilke, where he writes, quote, Yes, the springs need you. Many a star was waiting for your eyes only. And they have been waiting such a long time. Guillaume mm-hmm. Kabose-sensei, uh, his student, teaches, There is no eye apart from others. So crazy it is that we feel so desperately alone at some times, and yet the fact that we exist is because we are supported by myriads of others. But not just people, but by the sun, the moon, the stars, the rain, the sleet, the grass, the trees, the birds, the bees. They are all supporting us. We all share this same life, totally unique and unrepeatable lives in the flow of now. This living is something that courses through us, that is so much more than the story of us, than the presentation. Again, from Reverend Akakarasu, quote, My life is not the product of my own knowledge, experience, feelings, inductions, but it is myself. It is the never-closed way of the spontaneous isness itself, whose life moves with the life of heaven and earth. It is what we call Buddha, or Dharma nature. End quote. So, we stifle life from flowing through us by our constructions our expectations, our passivity, our misperception, and our habitual actions that do all the above. In these words, we see a hint of the authentic life that Haya Akagarasu lived. Not a life of artificiality, but one connected to life itself. To life as a verb, and not an egocentric noun. An aspiration to isness. 
So now what I want to do is I want to share an even, whoa, more plain and straightforward language from his student, Guillaume Kabose Sensei. So there was a Zen master, a Chan master named Nanzen. And once he was asked, what is Buddhism? And his response was straightforward. Buddhism is everyday life. Our living and our practice are the same. This is the way of oneness. Here is what Guillaume Kabose Sensei wrote about Master Nansen's response. Quote, what is this path? What is this path? What kind of path do we walk? We make many pretensions and we represent things as we want them to be. We do not see things as they are. We do not understand that life is as it is. Buddhism is the most natural way of life with every little thing we do is the way. With every little thing we do being the way. I think one of the most important lessons we learned is this fact, that everything is practice. Everything is the Buddha way, if we allow it. If we open our eyes and our hearts and our ears. I said earlier that all beings are living an absolutely unique and unrepeatable life. The life you know, the experience you have had, uh, can be known by no others. It is completely and absolutely unique. When you die, that world will die with you. That is what is meant when it is said that the world is born and dies every moment. This uniqueness of each of our paths is part of our living an authentic life. Again, from Guillaume Kabose Sensei. Without pretension or artificiality, each person's path is uniquely an individual owns. Each way is different, and yet there is the great way that everyone walks. It is the same path, but different to each individual. It can be difficult to understand that the universal way is one's way also. You live your own life, and there is no pre-established pattern, yet your own unique pattern forms the same way the universe forms. This is life's path. It is a flower blooming, the wind blowing. You live, I live. End quote. I also appreciate this from Thomas Merton. Quote, How do you expect to arrive at the end of your journey if you take the road to another man's city? End quote. <laughs> our paths are our paths. It is not for me or our community to tell you what your path is. The role of the fellowship of the Sangha is to support and encourage one another in the following of our own unique particular path. In our practice, in our daily lives, it is the respecting, the honoring of the uniqueness and the creativity of our individual explorations, aspirations, and practice, which are held in the field of the universal.
Kiyomi Kabose Sensei goes on to say, quote, there is creativity in life. Imitation is of little value. Art must be original and unique. Buddha's life expressed in poetic form each moment in life as a poem in itself. When each action is an expression of life itself, there is beauty and fulfillment. This is the universal path. It is the way of Nansen pointed out when he said, Buddhism is everyday life. So I'd like to close with some words by Haya Akigar. So again, I'll close with him. And I appreciate the writings of Reverend Akigarasu. He was a very feeling um, human being. The word sentient means feeling, and he was sentient. His way of learning the Dharma was through the natural world. And maybe this comes from the Pure Land Sutras, where the land, the trees, the streams, and the birds are the ones doing the teachings in the Pure Land. So here's the quote. It's more of a poem quote. You never catch grass making noise. They never reject others. They do not advertise themselves. Grasses are not afraid of others. Those who are afraid of others reject and attack. The grasses do not. The grasses are not like this. They are living in the full field of their own life. And so they do not need language or thoughts. Reference their tranquility. Long for their silence. Young grasses have gotten tired of my own falsehood in my own cleverness. I deeply adore you, grass, from the bottom of my heart because I truly love myself. I throw away all external shells that cover me and I can't help it. I want to kiss you. <laughs> so it's my hope that as we go forth, we do some grass kissing. <laughs> no ass kissing, just grass kissing. And that we fall in love with ourselves. Rumi, the poet, was asked, do you love me? And Rumi said, I love you. I love myself. I love myself. I love you. And that was the response. And at the heart of his response was, I love myself. Turn towards yourself in compassion, in kindness. Follow your journey, your path. Be insistent. Be true to it. Somebody else's path is a dead path. You have to find your way using the teachings of the Buddha to discover your way. May it be so. Namo Amida Butsu. I'll uh, give you a few time, a few minutes to share any thoughts, any ideas that you may have. Yes. So it's been a while since I've uh, been here, but like I feel like so peaceful. Like I'm meant to be here. Like I'm accepted. It's just a good feeling.
So if you think about meditation practice, really what is meditation practice? Meditation practice is tapping into life, to simply being. And it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard because our brains are so conditioned, especially in our society, to be constantly going, to be constantly not satisfied, to be constantly entertained. So because of that, when we sit here for 15 minutes, sometimes, oh, I can do it. Sometimes it's excruciating. 15 minutes is excruciating. But it's our invitation to be present with life. And yeah, it's hard. It's not it's meant to be easy. If it was easy, there would be a billion Buddhas. That, well, there are, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> There'd be a billion Buddhas. We would all be awakened. We wouldn't have any problems. We wouldn't be here. It's not easy, and yet it is easy. That's the paradox. Another thing about Buddhism, that's a whole other course. But <laughs> there's something that resonates in that, though. It's not that easy, but it is that easy. And the only way that we're going to ever get better at cultivating this awareness and this presence is through our cultivation, through our practice, through just reflecting on be here now, as Ram Das said. Be. Just be. You are a miracle. Literally. Not, I'm not being nice. <laughs> you are mathematically, they actually figured this out, this guy who's a mathematician, figured this out. The odds of you being alive, it's just absolutely astronomical. Because you have to think that your great-grandmother and your great-grandfather liked each other. Liked each other enough to hang out with each other. And didn't kill each other before they slept with each other. <laughs> to have your grandmother. And this goes back, way back. And if somebody went left and didn't go right, guess what? You wouldn't be here. All that beautiful, amazing stream of consciousness, stream of lives that you are, that you bring with you. You bring all your ancestors with you. When I step, when I sit up here and I teach, it's not just me. It's all my ancestors. It's my poor, mentally ill mother who just wanted to love the whole world and had no idea how. And her disease kept her from being able to do it. She can do that through me. And she is here sitting beside me as much as my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandmother, the illegitimate father of my dad, whoever he is. They're all here. <laughs> We're together. And that is this life. And that is your life. You are a miracle. You are living an unrepeatable, unique life. Honor that. Even if it's simply bowing to yourself in the mirror every great once in a while. I am utterly unique. And people like me. <laughs> Namu Amida Butsu. Let's go to our final page.